Welcome to the 22nd episode of Sound the Foghorn. As always, I am your host, Mark DeLuke. Again, uh, if you are... If you missed uh, our episode last week, um, we, we had an announcement that now that we're in the regular season, we're going to a twice-a-week schedule. So while you're listening on Sunday, which is usual, I will be right back with another episode on Wednesday. And with that in mind, we're going to keep these shorter. Again, I'm going to try to have a guest on once a week. I'm doing this one solo, um, and we're going to recap the Giants' first series of the season. Obviously, if you've been following the team, as I imagine you are if you're listening to the podcast, they just lost... To the Mariners, I'm recording this on Saturday night. It'll be up Sunday morning. They just were defeated by the Mariners 4 to nothing in the rubber match of the series. Of course, on opening day, the Giants blew what should have been an easy victory. Ended up losing 8-7 to in 10 innings after their bullpen imploded. And yesterday, on, on Friday, they easily uh, defeated the Seattle Mariners 6-3. to off of a, a solid start by Johnny Cueto, the bullpen um, rebounded from their horrific implosion on opening day. And then today, in frankly an underwhelming, a quiet, you, you can call it boring, you can call it boring, but it is baseball uh, in a 4 nothing defeat. The Giants shut out for the first time of the season. Logan Webb took the mound, took, uh, the, took the loss, the first Giants starter to earn, earn the loss. On the season, Webb went five and a third innings, walked three, allowed three runs, all of which were earned. Uh, the bullpen uh, came in, again, gave up one run in their three and two-thirds innings of work. Reyes Maranta uh, returned his first appearance since he underwent shoulder surgery. Obviously, he missed all of last season with injury. He did give up a solo home run to Mitch Hanniger. It was a fastball at 95 miles per hour up right in the middle of the plate, and Hanniger easily took it to left center field. And you, and you can see with Maranta as he works his way back to you know trying to reach his uh, levels of production prior to the injury, he no longer is, at least at the moment, showing that high 90s fastball. You know, he was 97-99, occasionally touching 100 at his, at his best prior to the injury. Now it looks like he's more around 94, touching 95, occasionally in the 93 range. And, and he doesn't have the margin for error he once did, right? He never had elite command. He had a nasty slider, a nasty fastball, and even occasionally an, incons- an erratic, but a really interesting changeup that he was developing. And now that fastball is probably more average than elite. He did show off that slider. That slider still looks really good. He's going to, I think, have to rely on it more, though, because as he saw, he made a mistake with that fastball, and 95 does not play like 99. And, you know, Handiger took care of it. Otherwise, though, uh, a quiet inning, no one else reached base. Uh, Jose Alvarez, who walked three consecutive batters to take the loss in on opening day, returned with a 1-2-3 inning and recorded his first strikeout of the season. Matt Whistler also redeemed himself. He is sort of the first reliever of, of many that struggled on opening day. He returned with two, by the way, inherited runners on base from Logan Webb. And to his credit, he got two strikeouts, got out of the inning. And so Webb could have had a much worse ERA, a much worse final stat line. Instead, as I mentioned, Webb, five and a third, seven hits, three walks. He has 10 base runners and five and a third. Not ideal, but only three scored. He did record five strikeouts. My takeaways from this first series, and again, you, you, you don't want to read too much into any uh, you know, one game, any, you know, small sample of play. But the one thing we'll talk is strategy here on the, in these first, 
in this little quick episode here. The one thing is, it looks like the Giants are going to give Austin Slater a chance to be an everyday player. I really like this move in part because, you know, the Giants have been aggressive platooning players, right? We've seen last year with Dickerson, Alex Dickerson and Slater, Alex Dickerson and Darren Ralph, Wilmer Flores and Brandon Bell. You know, they bring in Tommy Listella this year to potentially platoon with Donovan Solano or Evan Longoria. But the one thing about that is, right, you know, there aren't an infinite number of roster spots. You know, the Giants at some point are going to have to parse down this roster. They're going to need to have guys who they can trust to play 140 or 150 games at any position. Now, Slater does have that long injury history, which makes me a bit worried. But if he can stay healthy, the way he's hit, and, you know, he has good speed. You remember, he was leading the league in stolen bases through a good portion of last season before, you know, he had to kind of curtail that because he injured his elbow and, you know, couldn't risk diving into a base and further injuring himself. But he has solid speed. He's always shown a decent ability to put the ball in plate, great approach at the plate, ability to work walks. And then last year with his revamped swing, he showed incredible power, slugged over 500. This spring training, he did that too. The Giants gave him the chance to play some center field. He looked solid out there. And of course, Mauricio Dubon, who's been the primary center fielder, who will likely you know, be the primary, at least defensive center fielder. He started the first two games against left-handed starting pitchers in center with Slater in left field. But today... On Saturday, against a right-handed starting pitcher, Chris Flexen, Slater got the start in center. Dubone went to the bench, and I think that could be that could be a, a really interesting way to get Slater some more at bats. Give Dubone, you know, keep him from having to face too many righties as he's exhibited some more severe platoon splits. And also, then you have the ability if you have a lead late in the game to put Dubone in center to give you, you know, that defensive flexibility since Dubone is the de facto primary center fielder and the de facto backup shortstop without another real option out there. And it, it makes it difficult if Dubone and Brandon Crawford are in the lineup, which if Dubone's in center, that's pretty much what has to be since there aren't really any other shortstops outside of Crawford. That puts Manager Gabe Kapler in a tough spot if he wants to pinch hit for Dubone late in the game. If he's going to need another shortstop later, right, he's then stuck to Brandon Crawford if Crawford, you know, gets hit or has to leave the game. Or even if he just wants to pinch hit for him, that's not an option unless Dubone is on the bench. And so I think having Slater be the primary center fielder against right-handed hitters could be valuable, not only because it gives the Giants a chance to evaluate Slater's potential to be an everyday player. And it's worth noting he went 0-4 with three strikeouts against righties today. Um, but, you know, giving him the chance to prove himself, but also giving Kaplan more flexibility with his bench to, you know, improve the defense late or, or to pinch hit late and make some more double switches and whatnot, you know, in late game situations. The other offensive trend that I, th- that I think was interesting is Tommy Lestella. He didn't start any of the first three games uh, at second base or third base. He actually started... Uh, today's game at, de- at designated hitter against the righty. The first two games, he w- came off the bench, uh, pinch hit in one. I believe he, he didn't play in the other. Um, I might be wrong on that, though. But Listella, you know, is going to be a useful Swiss Army knife. But I'm really happy that the team isn't saying he's going to replace Donovan Solano. Of course, Solano won the Silver Slugger last year. You know, has been a sensation for the Giants the past two seasons. And I was worried that Listella was going to take at-bats away from him, and right now it seems like um, 
to manager Gabe Kapler's credit, he is not saying because Listella is the big offseason signing and Solano's a free agent at the end of the year that they're going to, you know, give Listella more playing time than he deserves. Solano's been a great hitter in San Francisco. He's, by the way, hitting 500 through three games. It seems incredible that he, what he's been able to do. And again, if he slumps, if he struggles, then, you know, Listella will be right there to take more of those at-bats. But I'm glad that they're making... Uh, they're giving Solano a chance to keep the everyday playing time, at least for now, at least through the first three games. The other thing on the offensive side, and this is the last thing, uh, the, I mostly want to talk about the bullpen and the starting pitchers, which I th- imagine is what most people are interested in as well, is, of course, that Brandon Belt started the season on the opening day roster. Something that's surprised a lot of us. I know it surprised me. You know, he underwent offseason foot surgery. Then he contracted COVID-19 with some severe symptoms. Then he contracted mono with some severe symptoms. He didn't play in a spring training game until the last week, only played a couple games or maybe even just one game defensively at first base, you know, and belts a guy who tends to struggle without, you know, uh, opportunities to get in rhythm. He's always been a relatively streaky performer. And I was surprised to see the giants not place him on the injured list to give him some time at the alternate site in Sacramento to get in some game action. The first game of the season, though, to Belt's credit, I mean, he looked like the Brandon Belt. Giants fans know, and Giants fans have fought about (laughs) for so many years, but, you know, he put together really good at-bats. He worked a pair of walks. He hit a fly ball to the warning track that, you know, had an exit velocity over 100 miles per hour that he squared up on on a fastball. Um, from a left-handed hitter, no less, than Marco Gonzalez. And so, you know, that's, I think, a really good sign. Yesterday, um, against another lefty, they gave Wilmer Flores the start and Belt pinch hit late. He worked another walk. Today, you know, things didn't go as well. He got the start, went 0 for 3 with 3 strikeouts. But, you know, it's something to keep an eye on, right? That if Belt does get off to a really slow start, you know, I think we can think about, again, the offseason he did not really get, you know, he wasn't able to work on his game as much because he was rehabbing an injury and then trying to recover from these illnesses. And so that could set him up for a disappointing 2021 after such an incredible 2020. At the same time, that also could mean he might struggle early before really kicking things into gear in the midseason, maybe a bit later, as he sort of gets his reps. If you remember last season, after the long layoff, He started the season on the injured list, came back, really struggled, and then he caught fire, and the rest is history at this point, and I think we could be in for a similar similar trajectory this year, but I do want to talk about the bullpen implosion on opening day, manager Gabe Kapler's decision-making at the time, what I've been critical of, what I think he got right, what I think he got wrong, and how I think how he handled the the staff on Friday uh, differed from that. I'll talk about that right after this quick break. So I've been critical of Gabe Kapler. I think it'd, it'd be fair to say, especially his handling of the bullpen's for some time, uh, well, I guess he's only been the Giants manager for one year, but I've been pretty vocally critical of his decision-making, and there's really been two things I have focused on consistently more than anything else. One, the propensity to which he uses relievers on back-to-back days, and two, his seeming unwillingness to give a reliever a chance to 
pitch another inning after coming in to face the last batter or two in an inning before. And we saw this play out on opening day. Kevin Gaussman, an incredible, uh, I won't say incredible, a really good outing, six and two-thirds innings, only four base runners, six strikeouts, only one earned run. And he's pulled with two outs in the sixth. Caleb Berger comes in. Uh, nobody's on base. Berger walks the first battery faces, and then he strikes out Tom Murphy. He looks to kind of lock into gear. He only throws nine pitches. At this point, the Giants lead five to one. Then in the top of the eighth inning, the Giants uh, add another run. It's now six to one. Giants have a five-run lead. And I wanted... This is where I've been talking about where I wanted Gabe Kapler to send Caleb Berger back to the mound for another inning of work. Berger used to be a starter. He, he wanted to get another chance to start this spring training. It didn't work out for him, but he still has that experience being stretched out. You have a five-run lead, so if he does go back to the mound and struggle, then, you know, you, you still have, you know, some wiggle room. You know, he remember the three-batter rule, because he'd already faced two batters, he could have been pulled at any point if you send him out for the next inning. So it wasn't a case uh, of being worried about that. I just thought you can give him a chance to go an inning and a third, you know, then you're through eight innings and you only need three more outs with potentially a, a five run lead. Instead, Kapler pulls him for offseason acquisition, Matt Whistler. Whistler walks a batter, gives up a pair of hits and granted Whistler's hits were not, only one was hit hard and it was a ground ball a few feet between the shortstop and third base, a few feet in the other direction. It's a double play and we're not even talking about this implosion right now. The Giants are 2-1, and one, but it is what it is. He pulls Whistler for Harleen Garcia, who walks two batters, um, and then he pulls Garcia for Tyler Rogers, who immediately gives up a double that scores two runs, then an error by Brandon Belt um, gives the Mariners the lead. I don't necessarily have too large a critique of the pitchers that Kapler used, even the order he used them. Um, I was kind of skeptical of the Whistler signing. I think I've written about that. I think I'm higher on Dominique Leone's prospects, Leone's prospects for this season than Matt Whistler's just because of uh, Whistler was someone who statistics, you know, say he was a solid middle reliever last season, but performed like an elite one. And I think there's room for regression where I feel like the reverse happened to Leon, but you know, it's a five-run game. I like, you know, getting, you know, Whistler's still a, a competent middle reliever. At least I, I expect him to be a competent middle reliever uh, potential setup option. So you go to him, you know, he walks about or gives up a pair of hits. I understand you don't want to, you know, let's just go to the platoon. You don't want to, you know, he's already thrown 14 pitches. Only seven were strikes. You go to Harleen Garcia, who was this trustworthy option last offseason. Again, remember, you still have... A, a noticeable leave. I don't even think it was a three-run lead by the time Harleen entered the game, if my memory serves me correctly, or if it was, I think it was a four-run game. You know, Garcia walked the first batter he faced to load the bases, struck out a batter, and then walked in a run. I understand that after he walks in a run, you have to pull him. It's, you know, there's an argument to go to Jake McGee, who's a more strikeout pitcher, bases loaded, one out. But bases loaded, one out is also a double play situation. Tyler Rogers is a ground ball machine. I don't disagree with making that move. You go to Rogers again, you get unlucky. He gives up a, a hit that goes down the right field line. And, you know, obviously, you know, we, we know where things 
go from there. In, in the 10th inning, you know, Jose Alvarez comes in in an impossible situation, right? The Giants don't score a run in the top of the 10th, which means Alvarez is entering the game in the bottom of the 10th with a runner on second base who cannot score. You know, it's easy to see why, you know, coaches probably tell him, look, don't be worried if you walk the first guy, it sets up the double play. So then he walks the first guy and then you're thinking, then you're just trying to, you know, you're worried about giving up that pitch that's too good. And you're so worried about, you know, giving up that pitch that the hitter's able to drive that you never throw uh, that you, it's basically impossible for you to throw a strike. I know Giants fans, many of them are going to panic about the bullpen. The bullpen had a lot of struggles last season, especially at the start and end of last year when, you know, I guess expectations were at their highest. But this is a deep group. It is not a strong group. And I, I say that, I mean that to say, I've been arguing the Giants bullpen will be a strength this season. I still think it is, but I do want to clarify and add some nuance to what I've been saying to, to clarify, I think the Giants have an incredible depth of six to seventh inning options. Guys who are really good middle relievers and, you know, solid setup men, right? Solid setup options to use more traditional lingo for the bullpen. But they don't have several dominant options. They have one, and that's Jake McGee. And the problem is, and the problem and the puzzle for Gabe Kapler all season is going to be, I have basically one guy who I trust in this ninth inning, a bunch of players I trust in the sixth and seventh with a two or three run lead. But now if I have a one run lead in the eighth, the one run lead in the seventh, you know, really tight game in the eighth, I'm going to have to figure out which of these guys, which of these pitchers who are more really good middle relievers, okay setup men, I want to trust in these really high leverage situations. And some days he's going to play the music right. Some days he's going to play it wrong. And part of that, you know, we can get into individual ones. He might make decisions we disagree with. And, you know, if you want to critique using Whistler instead of Harleen to start the inning or not going to Rogers first or whatever, we can get into that. But I think the more interesting conversation is that's what this Giants bullpen is. It is one really good setup man closer in Jake McGee, depending on you know what role you place him in, and a lot of really good middle relievers, and not a lot of really good setup options. I think ultimately that's a better strategy, that's a better place than they've been in in the past, and I do think the difference between a 6th and 7th inning guy and a 7th, 8th inning guy traditionally is a lot smaller than the difference between a seventh inning setup man and a dominant kind of closer. Um, and so that's where I come in where I say, I think this Giants bullpen is going to be solid. It's going to be um, not a huge strength, but a, po- a net positive because of that depth. Because if a starter has to leave in the fourth inning, the Giants can go to a Caleb Berger and a Harleen Garcia and a Jose Alvarez later in the season, a Nick Trapeano, a Dominique Leone. And they aren't going to ha- you know, have to be worried about whether they can stay in a game because they don't have a middle reliever. They aren't going to have to be worried about that. What they are going to have to be worried about is when they have a one-run lead or there's two runners on and one out in the seventh inning. Who's the pitcher we go to? Because I really trust Jake McGee and everyone else, while, everyone else, while I trust, while I like, I still am a little tentative walking on eggshells when they're in the game. So I, I wanted to talk about that. And specifically, using pitchers, giving them the chance to work a second inning. And that's part of the reason I feel that way is because I like the depth of the bullpen. 
you know, I think there is an element of you want to play the hot hand. You want, if a pitcher comes into the game and they're throwing strikes and they're looking effective, they're getting swings and misses, I want to ride that reliever out as long as I can if I'm Kapler because every time I make a move, unless I'm ready to bring in McGee, I'm not sure what I'm getting from the next pitcher yet. And if I'm not sure, I want to stick with what I have on the mound for as long as I can. Again, that's also why I don't like him using relievers on back-to-back days a lot, because I like to have the ability to, you know, have to, if I have to use a guy, you know, that I have a few options. I don't want to be caught in a situation where because I've used a pitcher two days in a row, I can't use them on the third day. Because this Giants bullpen, the differences between the pitchers outside of McGee to me are so small, I don't want to limit myself and the flexibility I have. So after the bullpen does what it does, the next day, Johnny Cueto goes five and two-thirds innings, strikes out seven, gives up three runs, and Wandy Peralta comes in with two outs in the sixth. And what does Wandy Peralta do? He strikes out the first hitter he faces. And Gabe Kapler gives him a chance to come out to the seventh, he goes one, two, three in the inning. Then he hands it off to Tyler Rogers, who walks a batter, but ultimately gets out of it easily. Then hands it off to Jake McGee. One, two, three. Giants get the save. Now, again, I, this is by no means a causal thing, right? You know, Wandy Peralta getting that second inning of work versus Caleb Berger getting that second inning of work. That doesn't mean the Giants win on opening day if they do that. But I will say is that what Kapler did on the second game, in the second game of the season, is the strategy I want to see more from him because I think the Giants have a lot of relievers who have experience starting. Caleb Berger was working to start this spring training. Wandy Peralta has been stretched out as a long reliever. We saw that last season. Again, while they aren't on the roster now, I guarantee you we're going to see Connor Menez at some point, who obviously was developed as a starter. I almost guarantee you we're going to see Nick Trapiano, who started in the big leagues as recently as last season. So with those options, I want him to utilize that within games. Because again, like I said, this is, I guess, the, this is how I feel about the bullpen. If I'm going to anyone who's not Jake McGee, I'm pretty confident, but a little nervous. You know, I, 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 there's, there's some uncertainty there. And if every time I'm bringing in a new pitcher, I'm going to feel like I'm rolling the dice, I'm going to be really tentative to pull a pitcher who's doing well or not in a jam or not in a tough situation until they've thrown 20, 25 pitches if there's someone like a Whistler who had, you know, or a Garcia who, you know, isn't routinely doing that, right? Like, I want to use guys for 15 to 20 pitches, give them a chance to go one, maybe even two innings if they, if they work uh, quickly, if they can, you know, get a couple 10 pitch innings. And then give them a day off the next day and then be willing to go right back and do it again. So again, we're going to keep it short. I'll be back on Wednesday with a special guest. This has been the 22nd episode of Sound of the Foghorn. I am your host, Mark DeLuke. Stay up to date on the latest San Francisco Giants news and rumors. Make sure to follow Round the Foghorn on social media at Round the Foghorn. You can also obviously check out all of our work at AroundTheFoghorn.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mad DeLuke. That is M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. Until next time, stay safe and have a wonderful week.